right. Acts chapter 2, and what I've been doing for some time when we're having the Lord's Supper is trying my best to make this part of our service shorten it a little bit simply because uh, it goes on so long. It don't bother me, but I don't want it to bother other people. So I try, and you grin when I say that I try to shorten it a little bit. It's really hard to do. So I'm going to share with you this passage scripture, and I'm going to talk to you about something that our church believes and practices related to that ordinance. We believe that this ordinance is just for members of the church. That's what we believe. And so I'm going to read this passage of Scripture, and I believe all the things that I could share with you uh, tonight, the reason why this is biblically true. It's not just something that our church believes and tries to practice. I know sometimes churches uh, practice things that there may not be a lot of biblical basis for that, but we believe there's biblical basis for this. So I'll begin the reading in verse 41. And I believe that all of these things are contained in this passage of Scripture. And the Bible says, And they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily in one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Now we believe that uh, it is just for the members of the church for several reasons. Because Jesus committed, one of the reasons is he committed this ordinance to his church and to his church only. Also, I believe the Bible teaches us that at this early period of time that his church had 12 members. I believe that he established his church uh, during his earthly ministry, not as some might teach that it happened on the day of Pentecost, but that he established his church by calling out uh, these 12. I was reading that earlier today, and then turned around forgot where it was I was reading, because I was going to read it tonight, and uh, I failed to remember where it, was, uh, where it was, and I'll turn to a place myself here and see maybe if this might have been uh, the place where, uh, no, oh, yeah, maybe it is. And uh, uh, yes, it says in Luke chapter 6, in beginning verse 12, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called unto him 
His disciples, now remember there's a lot of followers, not just twelve, but his disciples, and of them he chose twelve, also, whom also he named apostles. And then it gives a list of the names, and I'll, I'll not read that list. So we believe in that, that Jesus called together his church during his earthly ministry, and at this particular time, this is who he gave this ordinance to. Now, there were a lot of believers uh, at that time. And we find that they're not a part of the church, actually, till you get to the book of Acts. And early on in the book of Acts, you find that they belong, uh, they belong to the church. And, of course, our text that we re- I read tonight is uh, talking about that period, that period of time. And so the twelve was who he gave the ordinance to, and they participated in this ordinance, And there were many who did not. As a matter of fact, I think it's interesting. uh, His own mother, Mary, was not, uh, did not participate in the ordinance. And so you would think that that would he would be sure that that would happen, but but it didn't because they were not members of his church yet. The second thing I want to mention to you is because there is no scripture, there is no incident. There is no principle that is set forth in the New Testament to justify uh, non-members of a church participating in this ordinance. There is another reason, because believers are, are to be together in, the, in church capacity. Now, I'll read a couple of verses in the book of 1 Corinthians, and in the 11th chapter, and we find that these words are recorded in verse... Uh, 17, it's, here's what it says. Uh, now, in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not that you come together, you come together not for the better, but for the worse. And we know that the Bible is teaching that uh, they, they were not, uh, they, they had come together and what they were doing was not, was not uh, the Lord's Supper. Verse 18, verse 18 says, for first of all, when you come together, in the church. Now, there, there, uh, uh, it's in church capacities what it's talking about. Uh, and then he goes on in verse number 20 and says this, When you come together, therefore, into one place, uh, that this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. And we know that there was a problem there, and it was a serious problem. Uh, they were misusing the ordinance, and they were not... Uh, practicing it the way they were supposed to, they were not doing it in a worthy manner, is what that passage of Scripture uh, uh, teaches us. And so uh, this is the setting, according to the Bible, it has to be in that, in that setting. Another reason is because the church is to, be, uh, is to observe it as a body, as a body. And what the Bible teaches is that uh, the church is the body of Christ. The local church is. It is not all saved people, but it is the local church is the body of Christ. And so one must be a part of the body. And in the 10th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians, of course, it says this, The cup of blessings which we bless, is it not communion of the blood of Christ and the bread that we break, is it not communion of the body of Christ? For we being many are one bread and one 
body, for we're all partakers of that one bread. And so we are part, we are, we make up the body of Christ. The local New Testament church makes up the body of Christ. And then another, and this is an important uh, reason, uh, the church should not administer uh, this ordinance to people that the church has no authority over. And the church does have authority. The church has authority. I'm a member of Emmanuel Baptist Church, and the church has authority over me as a member and over all of us. And of course, in, uh, let's see, in, in 1 Corinthians in the 5th chapter, uh, if you want to look there with me, I'll read some verses in this 5th chapter. And what's going on in, uh, in, in the church at Corinth at this particular time, uh, the first verse says this, it's reported commonly that there is fornication among you. Fornication among you. And such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles that one should have his father's wife. Now that's what the issue was. The issue was... Uh, that this man in the church was having an affair with his mother-in-law. His uh, might not have been uh, his mother, but his father's wife is what it says. And so he addresses this subject, and he says, for example, purge out, in verse 7, purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as... You are unleavened, for even Christ is our, Pas- our Passover was sacrificed for us. Then in verse number 9, on down through the end of the chapter, Paul says this, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to company with fornicators. Now you know what fornication is, and that's what this sin was in the church at Corinth. Then he goes on to say this, Yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must you need go out of the world in order, in order to avoid that. And it says in verse 11, But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man, now this is instructions that are given to the Christian, if any man uh, is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one know not to eat. You say, well, what does that mean, know not to eat? Well, of course it means that uh, we're not to, we're, we're to practice separation. That's one of the things that we're taught uh, related to that passage of Scripture. But we need to understand, too, that the Bible is addressing this matter of church discipline related to that. And so uh, he's told that. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? Do not you judge them that are within? And so there cannot be church discipline if there's not church authority. There cannot be. And so uh, that's what it's talking about. And he goes on to say in verse 13, But them that are without, God judges. Therefore put away from among yourselves this wicked person. And so they were to do that. They were to practice that as a church. And of course uh, the Bible 
share some good news related to that in the second book of Corinthians. Uh, he was convicted of his sin and they restored him. The Bible teaches that they did that. So this act here is talking about local church authority in practicing discipline. Now our church practices that. We don't like to do it. We don't do it much or whatever and do it rarely. I think it ought to be rarely. And I think church discipline ought to be redemptive and not punitive. And it's not our place to punish. But but anyway, we do that. We dismiss people from the role occasionally. Uh, most of them are because of non-attendance. And you know, we'll have, if you have somebody, they don't come to church for a year or whatever, you pretty much know they're not interested in their church. And they're probably not interested in the Lord's will uh, for them. So you know that about every year there'll be one or two or whatever, and we'll read this to the church that they have been removed from the church role. Now what you have to understand is there's a serious uh, part of that. You see, when someone is removed from the membership, they're removed from the privilege of the Lord's Supper. And that's the bad part. That is the bad part. And I sure wouldn't want that to ever happen to me, and it has never happened to me. And, uh, and I know people probably don't think about that, but that's true. When the church uh, has a practice that only members can observe uh, the Lord's Supper as a body, then those who are not members, of course, cannot. You say, well, preacher, what they just do, they go down the road and join another church somewhere, and they can participate in the Lord's Supper because most churches don't, don't pay any attention. They just throw it out there. They have this idea that it's for everybody and anybody and whatever. Well, it's not. The Bible is very clear about that. And we, we have... Uh, disciplined uh, folks in years past for pretty serious matters and it's been rare been rare that it's ever happened and they did that went and uh, joined another church that just lets anybody that comes along uh, without any rules or regulation or whatever and they they do that and uh, that's all right the Lord may not accept that as far as their worship is concerned and so we believe that that's a very important, a very important matter. And I know there's pressure. I know that I've had it. Uh, I've had pressure on me. You know, uh, I remember one time years ago there was this older minister of the gospel. He'd been a Baptist preacher for years and years and years, and he took an interest in. Our church, and he just was having the time of his life. You all may remember. And then we come down, we was going to have the Lord's Supper one Sunday night. And of course, I always mention that, that we believe it's for members of the church. And anyone who is visiting that's not a member, we invite them to stay and observe and get a big blessing out of it and everything. And, and they do, they do sometime and, and everything. And uh, this older minister, he just throwed a fit. He told me, he said, Brother Thomas, you know better than that. And I said, I can't believe that you've been a Baptist preacher all these years and you've not made that discovery uh, in the Bible. And so, needless to say, he never come back again. That was the last time 
that he ever visited him up. Of course, all he had to do was join the church. If he wanted to join the church, if he liked uh, the services and everything, why, he could have just joined the church, and he could have been a part of that too. But he chose not to do that. And, you know, I, I think that the, the local New Testament church, I'm a New Testament church person. I'm a New Testament church preacher. I'm a believer in everything this Bible has to say about the Lord's church. And, and he instituted it. He instituted it with purpose. And he meant to use his church to accomplish his will and his purpose in this world. And I want you to know how I personally feel about that. I am so thankful to be a part of it. I really am. I'm so thankful. I feel honored. I feel really honored that the Lord has given me that opportunity uh, in life. And, and I want to be the best member that I possibly can. And I want to be supportive of my church in every way that I possibly can. And I want to promote uh, her to the nth degree. Uh, you know, the Bible says, uh, See, seeing yourself a spiritual gift, seek that you may excel to the edifying of the church. And that word edify means to build it up. To build it up. And, uh, you know, we ought, to, we ought to feel honored that the Lord has chosen to use it to accomplish His purpose and His will in the world. I tell you what, I believe that one of the greatest honors, I really believe it with all my heart, you know, that the Lord let me be a part of His church. But then that the Lord saw fit, and I've been shocked at it for over 40 years, that He would want to call me to be a pastor and to preach his gospel. I just feel so honored. You know, I'd have to step down to be the president of the United States. I really would. Now, I would like to be the president of the United States. I really, I really would. I believe if I run, you all would vote for me. Sure as the world. But I, there's a lot of straightening up. And they, you know, every once in a while I think about this, if they'd let me go to Washington and give me complete control, boy, would I ever fix things. I'm serious. I'd start firing them right and left. Some of them uh, dirty, low-down, ornery politicians that do not, don't love the country. There are. They don't love the country. It's obvious they don't. And, uh, you know, I've said this oftentimes that there's been uh, people who have served their country uh, in the military and have paid the ultimate price, gave their very life. And then some of the jokers that are in Washington act the way that they act. I, Sue and I were watching a program uh, this week and they was interviewing this man about things that are going on so wrong in America and there are so many things. It just beats all I've ever seen in my life. I just can't imagine, uh, you know, the things they're doing, uh, trying to teach little kids, push this stuff off on, and teaching little kids about transgender issues. Teach them to, teach them to read. Teach them math and teach them history. Teach them what you need to teach. Why in the world you want to act like that? There's people that has lost their mind. But this man, they were interviewing him, and he broke down and cried. And he, would, uh, he was a big, strong, strolloping man. He broke down and cried. 
And he said, if this is not fixed, we're not going to have an America anymore. You know, when you kick God out, you ain't got nothing left. You don't have anything left. And so, it's a mess. But I believe in the church. And I believe that the Lord instituted it, and He instituted it. You see, one of the ordinances, baptism, baptism pictures a relationship with Jesus Christ and a relationship with His church. We don't baptize people apart from the church. If you're baptized by Emmanuel Baptist Church, you're baptized into the membership. You become a member of the church uh, with baptism. So it's not just a relationship with Christ, but it's a relationship with His church. And in the Lord's Supper, it pictures fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ, and it pictures fellowship with His church. So I pray that everybody is like myself, thankful to be a part of that. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we've had to share these uh, truths. And Father, I pray there be a blessing to each one that has participated. And I ask, dear God, that you'd bless us as Brother Aaron comes and leads us in a closing song in this part of the church service. And bless us in that which follows. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. Now would you stand together with me while we sing.